0: Hello and welcome to Scram, the podcast passionate about the Scottish food and drink scene. I'm your host, Rosenderskin, and earlier this summer I visited the Harris Distillery to hear all about their long-awaited whisky, the Herich. The Herich was launched in September and sold out straight away. Mary Morrison showed us around the distillery, telling us all about how the distillery came to be and its importance to those living on the island.
1: What he wanted was for people to learn new skills here in Harris. That they wouldn't have to leave home, that they would learn, and that they would then, as they are in a position today, train the next and future generations.
0: I chatted with Mike McDonald, chief storyteller, and I had to ask about the pressure to design a new bottle when the Harris Gin bottle has become so iconic and much loved by so many.
2: But the bottle hit the market just at the right time. There was no one out there really focusing on bottle design and people just fell in love with it. People have an emotional connection to it. So after all this time, the expectations were so high for the whisky bottle.
0: Finally, we're invited outside to taste the new whisky. I was one of only two people who up to this point had the opportunity to sample the Henrich. I was pretty excited, I have to admit.
3: We set out to create a dram of distinction from the Outer Hebrides that is unique other than Ab and Jerak, But I really think when I say we set out, it was really Ron and Simon and Burr.
0: First up, at 10 in the morning, I may add, you'll hear from Mary Morrison, our guide who gave us our first dram of the day, a 12-year-old Highland Park.
1: then we are going to start this Harris distillery tour with a tasting 10 o'clock in the morning best time of the day to have a, a, a taste of the new make spirit that we are producing here at the Harris distillery now we up until a couple of weeks ago were telling everyone that our whiskey would be ready when it's ready well folks it is now ready, but not quite, mm-hmm. uh, to share with you yet. What we are sharing today is our new make. So if you want to take the tops off the grams you have in front of you, that new make is a uh, clear spirit, and that is a very strong gram. That is 70% in alcohol strength. So take it up to the nose and tell me what you're smelling. Yes? You ah, are. You're smelling the smokiness of that brown. What about yourselves? Are you smelling anything else? Smelling the smoke now. So you, you are, are smelling me. it now that we see. Now when you taste it, just take a tiny little drop in the mouth first of all. It's very strong. Hold it for a wee second and then just let it coat the inside of your mouth before you swallow. The reason I say that is so that your palate becomes accustomed to the flavour. So what on flavour are you tasting? It's quite sweet. It is very oh, sweet. Yeah. Oh. Citrus. Word, Citrus, that's exactly what I was looking for. It is quite citrusy. But the second sip is a different sip. But this is the base spirit that eh, will be a whisky. So, eh, we are looking for the citrus, the smoky notes, but there's also the fruity eh, sweetness going on.
0: Mary told us more about the new, long-awaited, first single malt legally distilled on Harris, the Herach. We also hear about the distillery itself and how it all came about.
1: Now, the Herach is the name given to our whisky like ourselves, born and brought up here in Harris. It's a perfect name eh, for the whisky, but that eh, whisky, though, in the first bottling was 1,916 bottles. They've already been sold. People who joined us eh, way back at the beginning of our journey bought the bottles, and they also bought a connection to this new distillery. That, that connection will be here forever. This room also designed to tell its own story. Now, you can imagine what it's like for that clear spirit, ageing, maturing inside the casks. So this room is designed in the same way, thinking about ourselves ageing and maturing at different stages inside this cask the walls darkened down to represent the inside of the cask and you can see how um, the charring went on and that is what happens inside a bourbon and a sherry bud, the toasting and charring of those casks before having any spirit placed in them. So these uh, panels on the walls these were oak flooring that was reclaimed installed here uh, from the central belt in Scotland Oak uh, features heavily of course in production, the table is oak but in the centre of that table is a very unique rock that is found here in Harris, it's also found on the moon uh, that is anorthosite and back in the early 90s a uh, French company were going to come to Harris to uh, remove uh, over 50 million tonnes of the anorthosite the super quarry that uh, was going to be created caused quite a stir uh, here on the island and a lot of islanders objected to the quarry. It didn't go ahead because the devastation was going to be quite significant down there in Lingerby, taking away a mountain down to the south of Spain. The copper box which will later today let in the sunshine and the heat will uh, this will be just so warm later on this afternoon but this reminds us of that very long journey our stills made across the Alps to reach us here from Siena in Italy. Uh, When the distillery was being built, there was a six year waiting list for Scottish copper. So we went across to the Frilly family, a Grappa still producer in Siena. They designed the most beautiful stills for us and we'll see them shortly. There's two uh, to produce the spirit uh, and there's also the wee dotoch a wee gin still sitting in her own wee still house upstairs and i'll show you eh, all of that later here also of course is eh, sitting comfortably for now on harris tweed covered chairs that of course is an island cloth it's what we are or were maybe well known for here in harris eh, before harris gin came on the scene <laughs>
0: We moved upstairs where Mary told us how Lord Anderson Bakewell, known as Burr, came to find the distillery.
1: Now, there never had been any history of making whisky here in Harris. Not legally, anyway. Uh, But Burr uh, decided one day that it would be a great uh, thing to do to create a distillery with a view to creating employment. And what he wanted was for people to learn new skills here in Harris, that they wouldn't have to leave home, that they would learn and that they would then, as they are in a position today, training the next and future generations. Now, we started off as a very small team of 10. Today, we are 51 in number working for the company. What is one thing that you just wouldn't do here on an island in a business like this? Well, I'll tell you, you wouldn't talk about anybody. Mm-hmm. Why not? Mm-hmm. Well, would you believe me if I told you that my colleagues, Sandy and Shona and Leona are married to three of these guys on the wall there? <laughs> But anyway, folks, this distillery Barr invested in from the outset. And then he managed to get 17 other people interested in this story. So much so that they put a significant amount of money in the pot. It was a seven year funding process from 2007 until they had all the money begin what on building the distillery in in March of 2014. Our investors are all over the world from the US, Germany, the Netherlands, Taiwan eh, and Ireland and UK based business people. The government topped up the eight and a half million pounds eh, independent funding to just over 11 million pounds so that work could begin Now, it took a year and a half to complete this beautiful building and on the 24th of September, eight years ago, we opened the doors to the public for the first time. That night, we produced Harris Gin for our enjoyment and I can safely tell you that some of us remember that night very well, some of us just don't, (laughs) Uh, because this was the first night we got to taste Harris Gin. We walked in, it was just a sea of blue downstairs. There were just under a thousand people came and joined us at our opening Kayleigh Skippenish played out in an empty warehouse blending hall. Uh, we danced into the night. It was a wonderful, wonderful time. And today we cannot imagine what Harris would be like if we didn't have the distillery here in Tarbert. It is most definitely the hub in the village. It is also the best venue for having a really good kelly.
0: I had a chat with Mike McDonald, chief storyteller, who told me all about the important work of branding and imagery around their products. I started by asking him about the pressure to follow on from the game-changing gin bottle. So obviously the Harris Gin bottle in particular, obviously we know the liquid's really good, but the bottle in particular was a bit of a game changer in terms of design. It's won awards... People love it. They've made things out of it. At one point, you were really scarce in it. So when it comes to the whiskey, I imagine the pressure was on. Yeah,
2: to say the least. You know, I say it was a blessing and a curse without this beautiful bottle. You know, it's just part of the, you know, beautiful story, beautiful bottle, beautiful spirit. But the bottle hit the market just at the right time. There was no one out there really focusing on bottle design and people just fell in love with it. People have an emotional connection to it so after all this time the expectations were so high for the whisky bottle. From my point of view I think what is more important is the spirit that's inside the bottle and I'm aware that with whisky there's a I suppose, an aversion to over-marketing or, you know, so for me, <laughs> the pressure's really on the distillers and the blenders to create a beautiful dram. But that said, you know, the Herak is incredibly special to us. So, you know, we wanted to design a bottle that was part of the design family, that was equally as beautiful, but something that stood on its own, that had its own character, it had its own identity. I think when you look at the gin bottle, it's very tall and it's very elegant, and I think we wanted to go in a different direction for the whiskey, so that was a little shorter, squatter, a little bit sturdier. So uh, yeah, it's been a really interesting journey, and we've put our designers, stranger and stranger, through the ringer, really pushing them to the limits, and not just them, but the glass manufacturers, even the, the, the label printers, the way the technical stuff worked on the label, we've really pushed the envelope on that as well. So it's been, uh, yeah, it's been a journey, but we've, we've come through it and like, uh, yeah, I'm happy with the results.
0: So can you tell us a bit about the process, what you kind of started with versus what you've ended with and any sort of big challenges?
2: Yeah, Strange and Stranger had uh, a bottle design stashed away since I think maybe 2018, 2019. So when we set a date for the Herach, we brought these designs Uh, out the folder and progressed them. We got as far as actually making a a physical prototype but when we saw the physical prototype and it was the same the right colours and the right label and the right stopper, it just didn't look or feel right. It was great, don't get me wrong, but it just wasn't good enough. So we took the rather expensive decision to go back to the drawing board with them. Uh, Eventually they pulled a a drawing, uh, our computer generated render, um, from right off the very start of the project, I think it was maybe around about 2013, 2014, this drawing came up and we tried to emulate that. Uh, We called that the platonic ideal. It just existed on a computer in two dimensions so the task for them was to turn this artist's impression into a real object so there was lots of 3D work getting done on that. We were obviously constrained by technical aspects of it. You can design anything you want on a computer but you have to make a mass market bottle that's produced uh, over and over again by a glass manufacturer so um, not only did we Challenge Stranger and a Stranger design team, but it was the glass manufacturers and, uh, and all sorts as well. So that was a long process, but we finally got to a 3D design we're really happy with. We got a 3D design that would work uh, from the manufacturer's point of view. We did test runs on that. There were some issues. One of the problems was the thickness of the glass in places. When it came out of the mould, some bits were cooling down quicker than others, which caused the neck to stretch slightly. But we certainly navigated that um, with changes to the, the CAD design. There was uh, another issue around something called crizzling which I'd never heard of, but this was very fine ribs on the bottom. And when they cool, and if they cool too quickly, they start to crack. It's like little spiderwebs running through the glass. So that was another issue, which we had to go back to the CAD designs. And tweak that, but eventually we got something that came off uh, the production line uh, consistently and beautifully. So, uh, yeah, it was a long process, but I think we've uh, we've got something which now works in the real world and not just on a on a computer screen.
0: And so, can I've I've seen all your different prototypes, and we've we've come to the the final. Could you kind of talk us through?
2: It? Yeah, sure. When we were thinking about the brand story and the marketing around it, we were thinking a lot about yin and yang this sort of Eastern philosophy sort of idea. Burr, the founder, we had really good conversations with him about that, so I think we wanted the the whiskey to be the same but different, the opposite, the flip side of the coin in terms of design looks. So the final product is, is much shorter, it's much stockier, it is squarer, it is more like a, like a, an art deco sort of decanter, it fits in your hand like a like a glass sort of hand grenade. It is you know it's very different to the gin in terms of stature and dimensions, but the language, the design language, is very similar. So obviously on the gin you've got these beautiful ripples, uh, which are like the waves that come in at Luskintar. Um These are these flow very naturally around the bottle, but on the whiskey it's more regimented. So we've got vertical and horizontal lines. And when you look through the glass, uh, these lines converge. Um, the obvious parallel is with Harris Tweed. You have the warp threads and you have the weft threads. And when they crisscross together, you get a beautiful uh, piece of elegant cloth. Um, so these are the metaphors that we're sort of playing with. Um, we, we now talk about the gin being from the sea. Obviously with sugar kelp as the main botanical, our whisky is very much off the island or off the land. So we are going to be talking a lot about the elements of the island, but also the people that make it. So we will talk about the whisky being woven from people and place and all that comes back to the bottle and this idea of vertical lines and horizontal lines interweaving. The glass is also, if you know the gin bottle really well, it is imperfect, it's kind of, asymmetric and it's got wee wonky bits and squinty bits there are little dimples for thumbprints to hold it the whisky has that as well it might look quite symmetrical but as you turn it you start to see all the little imperfections which are really nice the thumbprints are there as well it reveals itself, one of the things we're interested in is that our whisky will reveal itself over time and the more I think you look at the bottle and spend time with it you'll start to notice all these little details and you know, little, little special bits both bottles have our motto on the bottom, quam S-E-Q-A-M-V-A-D-E-R-E. So when you see them side by side, they're the same but different, but they're obviously from the same family. How people are going to interpret it, I, I don't know. It could be husband and wife, brother and sister, you know, just depends where your creative uh, head's at. But yeah, it's uh, I'm really pleased with how it's, how it's turned out.
0: And you talked about the stopper and the label as well. So the stopper is oak and the label is different colours, you're talking about different colours, but you've gone with kind of darker. Yeah,
2: yeah, just going back to this idea of yin and yang, um, when you look at the gin ball, obviously the, the label is very light, it's a very raw paper. Um, it's the same with the stopper, it's a very light stopper and it's very raw wood. The whiskey label is much darker. It's still a very raw paper and um, we've got it stamped or debossed with uh, horizontal and vertical lines. The stopper is slightly more polished um, we use beech for the gin, but we're using an oak for the for the wooden stopper. So it's, again, yin and yang, probably slightly more elevated in terms of the the quality of the wood that we use. Um, but again, when you see them side by side, they look similar, but different. The thing is, that's just the bottle. We spend a huge amount of time on the, the packaging that goes around it. So we take this, this bottle, which holds our spirit, And then we wrap our story around it. That's a whole other conversation.
0: The gin does come in boxes, right? So the whiskey will be the same. Is that what you mean by the outer packaging? Yeah,
2: yeah. And again, we spent a huge amount of time designing the boxes from the ground up. Again, it uses the same design language, but the... terms of the the quality and the design techniques are probably a step up from what we've done with the gin as well Um, but we're really happy with the box as well it's quite beautiful
0: yeah it's lovely really nice so we're probably about six months away from everybody making this into like a bottom of (laughs) a light shade (laughs) again
2: yeah yeah i will be interesting to see what they do with it but yeah upcycling is good so you know yeah recycle upcycle just uh, just make sure you drink the stuff that's in it first and uh, yeah keep 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 buying bottles i guess
0: thank you very much
2: cool pleasure
0: We were absolutely delighted to be invited to taste the header from a sample bottle outside the distillery by CFO Ron McEachern, Managing Director Simon Erlinger and blenders Shona MacLeod and Harrison Wood. Here's Shona mulling over how to introduce the spirit. Ron and Simon follow with their thoughts and refer to whisky legend Charlie McLean, an author and one of the leading voices in the whisky industry in Scotland. I don't know how we should introduce it,
3: because I would, I would say something like um, we set out to create a drama of distinction from the Outer Hebrides that is unique other than Ab and but I really think when I say we set out, it was really Ron and Simon and Burr. We joined much later. I joined in December 2014. So really, it's, the journey starts a lot you know earlier than when I came on board especially with regards to whiskey. Do you want to say something about what, what happened prior to that?
4: There was a key day I remember brings to mind was in Leith, where we gathered with Burr and Charlie. And um, Charlie McLean?
3: Yeah.
4: We said, um, we said to Charlie, I think, sort of, this is what we feel Harris kind of stands for. And this is what we're doing. This is what we're trying to achieve with this project to create employment for Harris. And the whole idea that Burr had at the beginning was to put Harris in a bottle somehow, just to capture the essence of Harris in a bottle and then send it out to the world. That was his romantic vision. Then we said to Charlie, right, no pressure, but can you please now create a whiskey that that does that? Give us an idea. So we had a after a brainstorm session, in the Yeah, yeah Flip chart. Yeah. And, um...
5: I was going to say float. Yeah, but that's too much of a pun. But <laughs> <laughs> it did. It did. absolutely. And then uh, it morphed into the discussion about the different spirit types, didn't it? From the, the Jim Swan, the late Jim Swan. Yep. And, uh, and all this, this idea of a... Spirit of distinction that just captures the features of the island, uh, including the sunshine. I
4: um, <laughs> remember the word elemental being used a lot. That's right. How would you describe Paris? It elemental and contrasts, isn't it? Contrasts of weather, contrasts of topography from mm-hmm. the bays.
3: We saw that today, and I kept explaining every sort of five minutes how the landscape was changing. It really does change every couple of miles. So initially I start talking about how this is not barley growing country, it's not farmland, it's very rocky, and then suddenly it looks really green when you turn the corner and you see the beaches and the maharan. Um. The
5: great thing about Bar is he, he's got this kind of, um, that oneness with the island that it sets the bar high for what, what you're trying to achieve, because there's an element of, kind of perfection in it, you know, mm. that, you know it's, it's, it's going to be a big ass to get there. So everybody who's really been involved in this has been tasked with creating that, hopefully, spirit of distinction and hopefully one that's true to the island. So you're
3: about to tell us whether we've achieved that or
5: not. <laughs> I
3: like to say that's it's complex climate. and full of character just like the people that make it. <laughs> and a point Harry made earlier today as well and we realised when we were using the blending that for the first time was that the original distillers made what's in this year's dram there's a whole new set of distillers now because the original guys have all moved on to other roles as our company grew which was ticking the box massively as well in terms of our whole purpose and why we were here so the younger just distillers that joined us probably didn't realise that till we pointed it out and a few years from now it'll be their dram that we're bottling so it's really special to all of us. We started with a clean sheet.
5: Nobody knew anything about distilling and where we are now is night and day from where we started. And the knowledge that Shona and Harry are bringing now with their, you know, their sensory perception and the stewarding the quality of the spirit it's, it's gleaned from that journey but also from their exposure to other uh, blenders in the industry. So. It's been an enormous journey to get to this point and it's kind of easy for us that are intimately involved with it to kind of sometimes forget just the journey that's been made.
4: We always say we wanted every drop to be distilled by Harris' hands and so we never took a, a distiller from, from the industry. Um, everyone that we recruited right from day one had joiners, yeah. we had um, IT Mm -hmm. consultants, facility management, um, and builders, and um, sent them off to the mainland to get some ideas about how to distill. But then, as you say, I think having these experts holding their hand all the way through from, I guess, Jim Swan, his role finished, I guess, prematurely because he died, sadly. But um, then Gordon Steele has been working with us ever since then and um, Kenny Gray, who used to run a few distilleries, and we see them as kind of an extended part of the team, but they've always been there to kind of nurture and train rather than to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, and it's they're
3: fun. really amazing in that regard, you know, even with Harry and I, who are right at the mm-hmm. bottom of the rung of the ladder in terms of blenders for an hour and experience, <laughs> but they're so um, supportive, aren't they? And they never make us feel like, we don't know what we're talking about or, you know, that, we're, that we have a long way to go. They don't, they don't treat us like that at all. And same with the distillers, and I think that was what was so special. So they had that training on the mainland, well, fairly short-lived, really, mm. um, you know, to learn the basic principles of distilling, which is essentially the same thing everywhere, just on, usually on a different scale. And then they came home and learnt with their own plant, so everything that went wrong, as it does in new places was sort of easier for them to fix in many ways because they knew it inside out. So you know if somebody just joins something that's up and running already, they don't have that insight. So I think that really helped. And although those original guys are in different roles, they're still here so they can they can help out if something doesn't go to plan.
6: Congratulations,
3: Swan. <laughs>
0: Dave Broome, whisky expert, author and consultant, was also on the tour. It was interesting to hear his thoughts on the new whisky. Dave, we are one of the only two outside the business to try the headache. Whiskey from El Harris Distillers. What do you think?
6: I think it's really excellent. It's a wonderful new addition to this new generation of distillers in Scotland. And I think one of the things that's exciting for me is the way that the West Coast and the Hebrides, you know, you're getting these amazing new whiskies coming out that aren't perhaps what you expect you think, oh, everything's just going to be big and heavy and peaty, and it's not. This is subtle, it's balanced, there's lovely fruits to it, there's this mineral quality to it. The smoke is there, but it's very, very subtle. It's just, yeah, it's a lovely, lovely, bright, delicious dram.
0: Were you any part of it, or like, do you sort of know what was happening before we, we sat down to, stood up today to have it?
6: I mean, I came here a couple of years back on another project, actually, in a big project, and we'd sat in in the bar and hotel and had some cast samples uh, and looked at ex-Bourbon, looked at all well, the Rosso casks and then also phenol casks. And the Fino casks were just this... Suddenly took the distillery character and put it in a slightly different place because not many distilleries use Fino and Fino just gives this brightness, saltiness, kind of flowery, bready, almond-like quality to it, you know the the wine kind of comes through rather than the wood Uh, and that, that I think has just taken a delicious young bright whiskey and pushed it off into a really interesting, really intriguing new direction, so yeah, it's lovely to come back, uh, you know, after, after a couple of years to see how all these different casts have come together in, into this, this new recipe.
0: Well, thank you very much.
6: That's fine. I'm just getting a midget in my glass. <laughs> so.
0: yeah, it's that time of year. <laughs> yeah, cheers. <laughs> Slide. 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 Thanks to my guests on this episode and thanks to you for listening. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss an episode of Scran. Scran is a logical podcast that's co-produced and hosted by me, Rose and Derskin, and co-produced, edited and mixed by Kelly Crichton.